You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. I, uh, you know, I know I say this every time, but I am so excited about this new series that we're starting today called Redeemed. Everybody say Redeemed. Redeemed. Say this, say I am Redeemed. Now, if you don't know what that means, by the time we get through with this series, you will know what that means. And so you'll be able to say, thank God I've been redeemed. And uh, it's exciting. We're going to just get into a lot of good things over the next few weeks. And my plan is, and uh, I believe the Lord laid this on my heart so we could culminate this on Resurrection Day, which is a little more than a month away. And uh, by the way, don't forget, next Sunday we spring forward. Time changes on March the 12th. Seems like we just, you know, went back, but it's time to adjust it again. So uh, don't forget to do that. I forget, I always get them mixed up. So if you'd forget, I think in the springtime, if you forget, you're going to be early to church. So everybody forget, okay? (laughs) I'm just teasing. Amen. But uh, as I said, this is part one of our series called Redeemed. And so if you came in and didn't receive a handout and you need a handout, hold them up. We'll get, hold your hand up, rather. We'll get one to you. And if you need a pen so you can jot some things down, uh, I'm going to say this. Part one is going to be a lot of introduction. So, uh, you know, write some notes, take some good things down, good notes down, get some good thoughts. And uh, we're going to be building on this each week as we get into it. So we're going to look at our foundation scripture found in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. And uh, before we read this, if you don't mind, I want to just open in prayer and open my message in prayer and ask for the Lord's help. I need his help. And uh, in order to effectively communicate what he wants me to communicate, and then you need his help so you can hear and listen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word of God that we're getting ready to partake of. I thank you, Jesus said, that it's bread and life and food for our spirits. And so, Father, we purpose to receive from you today. Father, I just set myself in agreement with my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that we believe to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he is the teacher. And so, Lord, I thank you for his anointing upon my life in order to communicate your word. But, Father, I thank you for your anointing on each and every one that is listening. And, Lord, I thank you that we will have ears to hear what you're saying to us. And, Father, I just believe that the word is life-changing. And so, Lord, I thank you that none of us are going to leave today the same, the way that we came in. We're going to be different And we believe to receive ahead of time in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Colossians chapter 1, let's look at verse 9. And I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation because it's uh, very, very good in the way it articulates uh, some of these things. So verse 9 says this, Since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives. Now, I want to stop right there, and I can't help but comment, but, 
You need to understand that God, through what Jesus has done for you, is pleased with you. He is not looking for you to mess up. He's looking for you to get right. I mean, to, to not get right, but to uh, succeed, I guess, is the better way for me to say it. For you to be able to live out his will, plan, and purpose. So you need to know that he has pleasure over your lives. Now look at this, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Say this after me. Say, I'm, I am a reservoir of God's wisdom and his understanding. All right, verse 10. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness pleasing God in every good thing you do, then you'll become fruit-bearing branches yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. And we pray that you will be energized with all his explosive power. Say explosive power. From the realm of his magnificent glory filling you with great hope. Your hearts, verse 12, can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Did you know you are an heir? You don't have to wait for an aunt or uncle to pass away or mom and them. No, you are an heir already and you are an heir of the Father. Hallelujah. Now, verse 13 says this, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Now, I want you to understand something. That is not something that's going to happen. You are already a citizen of heaven. You are already a citizen of the kingdom of God. You don't have to wait till you die to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are already part of that kingdom now. Now, here's verse 14, and this is the culmination of what we're headed for. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Hallelujah. And so, say it again, I have redemption. I am redeemed. Say this, all my sins, sins of yesterday and sins of tomorrow have been canceled. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You, not only things in the past, but sins you haven't even committed yet, Jesus has already paid for. You've already been set free from those things. So, that's what we're going to be talking about is the fullness of our redemption. What is it that this redemption, this plan, this great plan that God put into motion before time began in order for you and I to be redeemed, what does all that mean? What, what does that entail? And so we're going to get into the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts of all of this. And so as I said to you, this is going to be a lot of introduction. And so in order to establish what you've been redeemed from, we need to go back to the beginning. All right? Now, 
let's look at the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Now, I, I'm not going to take the time to read the entire creation story. You can do that uh, as your little homework assignment. Read uh, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, but I'm going to hit on some highlights that are in Genesis chapter 1. So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning. Now, um, you didn't know God was a fan of baseball, did you? Because he said, in the beginning. Okay, that's an old preacher's joke. I just, I couldn't resist, all right? So, in, so all right. in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, what's interesting, and, and again, what do I always tell you when you're studying the Bible? Pay attention to the Okay. Now, if you'll notice, notice he said, let there be light, and light came into existence. And then he put into this motion, or put into motion this thing called time at this moment, because then he divided the light from the darkness, and the light he called day, and the darkness he called night. But here's what I want you to see. Notice he hasn't created the sun, the moon, and the stars yet. But there was light and there was darkness. Okay? So God established this from the beginning. Now, here's what I want you to see. Notice what he said in the verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, please because we're going to build this. And there we go. The reason for the heavens is the earth. The reason God created the sun, the moon, the stars, everything we see in the heavens is for the earth. Okay? All right? Now, six times, if you'll read through Genesis chapter 1, six times, God observed his creation and he said that it was good. Okay. Notice he didn't say it was I. He said it was good. All right. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word good means this appealing and pleasant to the senses. Isn't that interesting? That God's creation, as God created everything that he created all through Genesis chapter 1. He would step back, and listen, God's not uh, so hung up on himself that he has to step back and give himself an attaboy for what he created. No, there was a reason that he would create something, and he would say, it is good, it is appealing and pleasant to the senses. All right? Now, what's interesting is, though, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, God saw, this is at the end of creation, God saw that saw everything that he had made, and he said it was indeed, it was very good. Now, and then, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, I looked it up, and on the seventh time, now six times he said it was good. On the seventh time, he said it is very good. 
In the Hebrew language, the, the phrase very good means this, vehemently, that's literally what it said, vehemently appealing and pleasant to the senses. Now, I want to tell you a little something about God. God is not incomplete. God is complete in who he is. He lacks nothing. There is um, no need that he has. In, in other words, there is no portion of God where you will find anything lacking. He is totally complete in everything that he is and everything he does. And so he doesn't need to create something to appeal to his own senses. He doesn't need to create something to vehemently appeal, <clears throat> excuse me, and be pleasant to his senses. All right? Now, that being said, then there must be something else going on in what God is doing. So write this down, please. The reason for the earth is man. So God created the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything we see for the earth. And he created the earth not for himself, but he created it for man. So when God would create something in the earth, he would step back and he would say, that's good. He wasn't thinking of himself when he said that. He is thinking ahead and knowing the reason and the motivation that he's creating all of this is for his man that he's going to create. And so he would create something and step back and go, yeah, that's good. But he was thinking that's going to be good for my man. Okay? So the reason for the earth is man. So the earth, if you think about it, has no reason for existing outside of man. I mean, why? why? Why would God just create the earth and walk away? There's no reason for its existence outside of man. Nature can't appreciate itself. You know, I've not one time been walking through the woods and seeing a deer saying, boy, I look good. Okay? I've never seen a bird that just strutted around saying, you know what? I'm really something else. No, all of that was created for man by God. Now, I'm going to read something to you. Uh, a man by the name of a minister that lived in the early part of the 20th century. He was born in the late 1800s and died, I believe, in 1940s, right around in there. His name is E.W. Kenyon, Essex William Kenyon, great author, great minister. Uh, but he wrote this. He said, ages on ages, God wrought in storing up treasures of all kinds of wealth for his man. Now, I want you to think with me. He filled earth's bosom with deposits of iron, copper, silver, and gold, and with uncounted varieties of metals, chemicals, and forces. He covered the face of the earth with mountains, valleys, ravines, plateaus, and prairies, lovely creeks, rivers, and streams, and with many beautifully colored flowers that thrilled the, uh, with joy the heart of God's man, fruits and vegetables supplied food for man. The great architect 
of human need and joy knew man's need before man was created. And in creation's wondrous plan, all of those needs were met. Are, are you listening? Okay. By the way, his plan still hasn't changed. Okay. So God gave man the capacity to enjoy the beauty of his workmanship and to utilize all of its resources. So the reason heaven, the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars were created was for the earth. The reason the earth was created was for man. Now, why was man created? Well, write this down, please. The reason for man is the fatherly heart of God. Now, I've heard it said, and I understand what people mean when they say this, but God created man because he needed man to have fellowship with. No, he didn't need man. He desired man. There's a difference between needing someone and desiring someone. So God created man because God is a father. He's a family person. He loves family. And by the way, none of this has changed. It's the same. Uh, Malachi 3 6 says God is, he never changes. He's always the same. So if this was his heart back in creation, it's still his heart today. Let me read a scripture to you. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says this, even before he made the world. Now this is hard for me to wrap my brain around. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. So what that tells me is God knew who you would be, who you are. He knew where you'd be right now. He knew when you would be born. He, he knows the time in which you would live. And before Adam was even created, before the earth was even created, God loved you and wanted you. That's what chose us means. So don't ever let the devil tell you, first of all, that you're not loved, and secondly, you're not wanted. People might reject you, but I'm telling you, God loves you and wants you. So he said, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. <clears throat> God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and look at this, and it gave him great pleasure. Wow. It gave God great pleasure to do what he did through Jesus to purchase you and redeem you. You know, I, I, maybe religion kind of leaves us with this impression, but you know that God was like, oh, you know, here's this man. He messed up in the garden. I guess I'm going to have to do something about it. You know, you know, I really kind of like these guys, but they get on my nerves. And But, you know, I guess since I'm God, I'm just going to have to fix this situation somehow. No, 
Before the foundation of the world, before the world was ever created, God loved you, he chose you, and it pleased him to have you as his very own. Hallelujah. Okay, so the sun, the moon, the stars were created for the earth. The earth was created for man. Man was created for God. So, so man could have fellowship with God. So listen to this carefully. Knowing that fellowship is the reason for man and his existence, we can easily understand that man could not meet the reason for his very existence unless he was created in God's image. In other words, God can't fellowship with someone or something that is not in the class that he is in. Okay? You know, I never read in the Bible where God fellowshiped with a cow or a donkey. He talked through one one time, but he didn't fellowship with it. No, he fellowships with man because man is the only being in all of creation that is created in the same class as God is. Now, somebody said, Pastor, are you saying that we're gods? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you're created in his class, okay? So to partake of God's life, we must, man must be in God's class and in God's realm. He must be made in the image and likeness of his creator. He must be created as near like deity as possible to be God's child, Okay, now I need you to track with me very carefully. Listen to me. God created man so that God could have fellowship with someone who was similar to him. Okay, now, God created man to be able to function in three realms. He created man to be able to function in the spiritual realm, the mental realm, and the physical realm. And that's still true today. You are able to function in the spiritual realm, the mental realm, and the physical realm. All right? Now, for man, listen, I want you to, I read this, so I wrote it down. For man to say that there is nothing outside of this physical realm, this, you know, and you hear people say, when you die, you're just dead. You know, you're dead like a dog. They put you in the ground and that's it. Because all there is is this physical life. There's just chairs and floor and walls and trees and just physical, okay? For a man to say that and say that there's nothing outside of this physical realm is like a fish saying there's nothing outside of the realm of water. Think about that with me. How ignorant would it be for a fish that swims in the ocean to say, well, just because this is all I can experience, this is all I see, this is all I know, there's nothing beyond water when there is a whole world beyond that water, okay? Now, write this down, please. Again, we're building. We're building here. 
So next thing is this. Man's spirit is and was eternal and designed to rule his soul and his body. When Adam was created, he was created spirit, soul, and body, just like you are, and his spirit was designed to control his mind, his will, and his emotions, and his physical body. Adam was created to live out of his spirit, not the other way around. Okay? Now, God cannot and could not fellowship with a robot. So he gave man the right of choice and the ability to choose. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm just going to make this a little side note. Um, anybody, you've heard of Lucifer in the rebellion in heaven? Okay, well, just by nature of that rebellion that Satan caused in heaven and therefore got cast out and took a third of the angels with him, what that tells you is that angels can choose. Okay? But here's the difference. They don't have the right to choose. Man can choose and has the right to choose. All right? Now, God can't fellowship with a robot. He can't fellowship with a puppet. You know, people say, well, if God is God, you know, and he's the creator of the universe and he's the most high almighty God, then why doesn't he just make everybody get saved? He chooses not to. He wants people to make a choice. So, Man was created with this ability to choose. Man was created with the right to choose. And man was designed to live out of his spirit. And man was designed to make life's decisions and navigate through this life out of his spirit in control of his soul and his body. All right? Are you tracking with me? Okay, now, write this down, please. Man's mind was created intellectually perfect and sound. Man's mind was created intellectually perfect and sound. Let me show you what I mean by that. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, I'm going to be reading from the easy-to-read version you know why we're reading from the easy-to-read version? Because it's easy to read, okay? So Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, look at this. The Lord God used dust from the ground and made every animal in the fields and every bird in the air. He brought all these animals to the man, and the man gave them all, say all. all. He gave them all a name, <clears throat> The man gave names to all the tame animals, to the birds in the air, and to all the wild animals. Now, I don't know if you remember back to your biology days in high school, but there are over 500,000 different species of animals. Adam named them all and could remember 
what he named them. Uh, some of us have a hard time remembering our children's names. You know, if you've got a lot of kids, some of us, when you call or your kids, you got to run down the list till you hit the one you want. <clears throat> okay. And here this man that God created was able to name all the different species of animals, bugs, birds, everything, and remember them. Meaning he was intellectually sound and complete. Now, scientists, and I'm not quite sure how they figured this out, but scientists today believe that you and I only use about 10% of our mental capacity. 10% of our mental capacity. Now, what that tells me is, and, and can I just, I'm going to give you just a little quick glimpse what that tells me is, is if we will learn how to live out of our spirits, we can expand our mental capacity. Just saying. Okay? All right. Now, here we go. Write this down, please. Man's body was created to live forever. Did you know that? Adam's body, Eve's body were, were created to live forever forever. You have to understand that when the earth and the garden and everything was created, there was no death whatsoever. Plants never died. Animals never died. People never died. Adam and Eve were not designed to die. Their bodies were designed to live Forever. Why? Because Adam was designed to live out of his spirit, which had the life and the nature of God in it. And that outworking of that life was designed to affect his physical body and perpetuate the life of his physical body. Now, somebody says, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, <clears throat> let me show it to you this way. After Adam sinned, he lived 930 years. That's a minute. Wouldn't you agree? All right. Now, here's the thing. We don't know how long he lived before he sinned. We just know that the clock started ticking when he sinned, and he lived 930 years. That tells me that there was so much life still in his body after spiritual death had taken over his spirit that it took that long for death to overcome all that life. Can I say something else to you? Okay. Don't let me blow a circuit when I say this, but are you ready? Jesus would have never died had he not laid his life down. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, Jesus would still be walking around the earth today. <laughs> oh, boy, that's deep. Okay? Why? Because he was full of the life and the nature of God. Well, can I just say this to you again, a little glimpse. Romans 8, 11 says, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall make alive your mortal body. 
Does, Pastor, are you saying that we're going to live forever? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you can extend your life by letting the life of God that's in your spirit come up out of your spirit and affect your body. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Now here's the next thing. Write this down, please. God in his wisdom gave man complete authority over the earth and everything in it. Adam was the boss. Okay? He gave man complete authority over the earth and everything in it. Let's read Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 in the easy-to-read version, again, because it's easy to read. Here we go, verse 26. You know these scriptures, but let's read them in this translation. Now let's, God said, now let's make humans who will be like us. Now who's the us he's talking about? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They will rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. They will rule over all the large animals and all the little things that crawl on the earth. So God created humans in his own image. He created them to be like himself. He created them, male and female. God blessed them and said to them, have many children. And then he said, fill the earth and take control of it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. Rule over every living thing that moves in the earth. So Adam was given complete and total control and authority over the whole earth. Now, I've said this to you before, but I want to uh, say it again. Have you ever thought about, and again, pay attention to the details. You ever thought about here you have this earth, which it's the same size as it always has been, but God created this garden in this small little portion of the earth and then put his man and woman in the garden and then gave them complete dominion, complete authority, and complete control. Has it ever dawned or occurred to you why didn't God finish the job in the rest of the earth Instead of creating this little garden and putting this man in the garden. You ever thought about that? Here's why. He wanted his man to finish the job. Now, I may be jumping ahead of myself, but I'll say this to you. Because Adam was created in the image of God, he was created in the, with the ability to use his words to create stuff. Oh, pastor, that's just too far out. Well, I'll remind you, Romans, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, you still have that same ability. Okay, hallelujah. L listen to Psalm 8, verses 4 through 6 in the easy-to-read version. This is David writing. He said, and I wonder, God, why are people so important to you? Why do you even think about them? Why do you care so much about humans? Why do you even notice them? But you made them almost like gods. I'm so glad I didn't write that. It's in the Bible. But you made them almost like gods and crowned them with glory and, and honor you put them in charge of everything you made. You put everything under their control. 
Now, again, this, this is not what this message is uh, about, but you know in Adam's sin, Adam turned that dominion and that control over to God's adversary named Satan. And to this day, Satan has that dominion, has that control. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 4.4, Paul wrote and said, still called Satan the God, little g, of this world. Okay? Now, here's the good news. That's going to end one day. His lease is going to be over. And he's going to be out. All right? But here's what I want you to see. Back in this day, Adam possessed such complete authority over creation that he has his hand, in his hands the legal right to confer that dominion to another being, which is what he did in the fall of mankind. Okay? Now, um, let's keep building. Are you okay? All right? You still believing with me for revelation? All right? Write this down, please. And, and I want you to think about these things. God could have spoken the entire human family into existence at once, but he chose not to. <clears throat> now, God is powerful enough that when he made his man, scooped him up out of the dirt and then breathed life into him, that he could have very easily just continued and made the rest of the population that he wanted in the earth. But he chose not to. He chose the man. He created the man. Then he gave the man his wife. Why? And then told them to populate the earth. Why? Why did he do that? All right, here's why. Because he wanted Adam to work with him to fulfill his will. God still wants to work through people to fulfill his will. Okay? Now, why am I going through all of this detail? Why am I going building this block upon block, block upon block? Why am I, you know, and, and although I've barely scratched the surface, but why am I going into these details about creation so you can understand what happened when God created everything and created his man? Why go through all that detail? Well, write this down, please, because this is pivotal to our sermon series, and that is this. A low understanding of the creation of Adam and everything with him has given us a low understanding of the new creation in Christ. Let me say that to you again. Because we have not fully understood what God invested in in his man, Adam, and all of creation back when he created everything because we have not understood that and we've had a low understanding of that, we in turn have had a low understanding of what Jesus bought and paid for and redeemed us from and redeemed us into. Can I... I want to just say this, and I'm trying not to overload you in the first message, okay? But there are so many things because we have not understood creation way back then and what God and what Adam was like. 
we have not understood that, so therefore we have not understood what the last Adam bought and paid for. Somebody said, who was the last Adam? His name's Jesus. The Bible calls him that. Okay? So this, this is going to be eye-opening for all of us. And I, and I just love the Holy Ghost because, and I didn't think about this till right now, this builds so beautifully on take the limits off of God, having a spirit of excellence, and then finding out what we've been redeemed from and what we've been redeemed into so that, look, so that we can take the limits off of what God wants to do through us through the plan of redemption. Because I'm going to say this to you, all right? Don't let it blow a circuit. But everything I just told you about Adam has been restored to mankind through the Lord Jesus. Now somebody said, well, are we go, are, are, am I supposed to be walking in the fullness of that now? No, it's a process. There's some things that you and I will not be able to walk in the fullness of until we step over into eternity with the Lord Jesus. But there is coming a day when, and, and you know, I'm trying not to preach all five parts in this one part, but there's coming a day when you and I will take off this old dead body and receive a glorified body that will be identical to what Adam had in the garden before he fell, and that physical body will live forever. Why? Because we've been redeemed into that. We've been purchased and redeemed from death so that we can walk in newness of life, the Scripture says. Now, that's something that is yet to come, but here's what God did. God's so good. He said, here's what I'm going to do. Until you get to that point, I'm going to give you a down payment, and it's called divine healing. <laughs> Just, um, you know, there's coming a day when you and I will be intellectually sound and complete just like Adam was. Um, you know, I have no record in the book of Genesis anywhere, and I've read it, where I find Adam pacing the floor going, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to pay my light bill? Can you imagine what the Duke power bill would be for the Garden of Eden? How, Lord, how are we going to keep the lights on here? How are we going to do that? And, and when me and, and sister girl over there have children, Lord, how am I going to keep them together? How they Because, you know, they might act up or something. And, you know, I don't see him worried, stressed, or anxious about anything. And what does God tell us in the New Testament? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, the Bible says that um, Adam and God would hang out together. The Bible says that every day God would come down, and I don't know how he manifested himself to do this, but he would come down and he and Adam would just walk and talk in the cool of the day in the garden. 
and just fellowship with each other and just talk to one another. And, and I'm sure it was God saying, hey, I need to, I need to show you something. Do you know you can do that now? You might not physically see him where he's walking with you in the garden, but the Bible says, oh, I love the word. The Bible says, God said this in the Old Testament, I want to be with my people. He told the children of Israel this. I want to be with my people. I want them to be my people, and I will walk with them, and I will be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. His plan has never changed. God wants to fellowship with you in the same way he fellowshiped with Adam. Hasn't changed. Through the Lord Jesus and what Jesus did for us, we can do that today through redemption. All right, let's go on. So let's ask a question then. Why was man's sin so devastating? In other words, why did it bring such great destruction and death into the earth? And why did it require Jesus going to the cross and paying the price on the cross? Why did it do that? The sin of the first man, Adam, was so devastating in every realm, spirit, soul, and body. It brought death into God's creation for the first time. This thing called death had never existed. But when Adam sinned, he opened the door and all of a sudden he died spiritually. His body began to die and fall apart from that moment. His mental capacity began to die at that point. Animals, plants, all of creation experienced the curse of death on it for the first time all through what this man did. But Jesus, hallelujah. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. The scripture says this, Paul wrote and said, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin and thus dead, death spread to all men because all sinned. That's why Jesus had to come and pay the price. Now, here's, here's the cool thing about this. Please, please, please don't limit your salvation to just a ticket to heaven. Jesus did not come and die that horrible death on the cross, pay the price that he paid just to buy you some fire insurance. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that that's what their salvation boils down to. That's what their relationship with God boils down to. And as far as they're concerned, that's what Jesus paid for, was me not to have to go to hell. Well, thank God for that because through a relationship with Christ, we escape hell. But there is so much that you receive beyond just not going to hell. So look at this, but God in his eternal, infinite wisdom had a plan to pay the price to deliver his man from death once and for all. Now, I'm going to show you something about the wisdom of God, okay, real quick. 
I don't understand it. Maybe, maybe one day in eternity I will. But somehow, God knew what Adam was going to do. And he put this plan in motion before Adam was ever created. So, now, I, I didn't include this in your notes, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Did you know that if God knew in advance that Adam was going to sin and totally blow up this whole thing, then why did he do it? Why did he create Adam in the first place? If he knew he was going to mess up, why did he do it? Well, let me illustrate it for you this way. Um, if I'm a general contractor, let's say, I, I own a construction business, I'm a general contractor, and I have different subcontractors that work in my business that are builders, framers, and I have electricians that work for me, okay? And um, so I'm in the process of building a building, and there's great amounts of voltage that are required to be wired into that building, so I hire uh, a whole electrical crew, but a specifically one overseer, one head electrician <clears throat> to go in there and handle the wiring for me. But one thing I did not tell this head electrician was the building's already hot. You know what that means? The, the electricity's already live, Okay. So I send this man into the building to go wire the building, and I don't tell him the full picture. I'm not hiding it from him. I just choose not to tell him. And he goes in and begins to hook up the wiring and gets electrocuted and dies. Who is responsible for that man's death? I am, as the contractor as the overseer, all right? So then, it is now my responsibility to make that right. Okay, listen to me. God, in his wisdom, knew Adam was going to sin, but he sent his man into the garden put everything out there for him, and because God is eternal and God knows it all, he knew what the outcome was going to be, but he did it anyway. Why did he do that? Knowing Adam was going to sin, send him in there to handle that electricity, knowing he was going to get shocked. Because if I do that, it's my responsibility as God to fix it, to make it right. So can I say this to you? If God had not put Adam in the garden, knowing what Adam was going to do, and, and, and Adam sinned, now God is legally responsible to pay the price to make it right. Are you getting that? Okay. In other words, God loved people so much that he legally obligated himself to have to redeem mankind. 
I, I think that'll probably dawn on you on the way home, okay? All right, so look at this. God in his eternal, infinite wisdom had a plan to pay the price to deliver his man from death once and for all. Part of this plan is to restore man back to the state that he was before the fall. So, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, and they amplified, thus it is written, this first man, Adam, became a living being, an individual personality. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring. Everybody say restoring. Restoring the dead to life. So let me read Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5 in the Passion real quick. And it says this, And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love he is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Now, I'm not sure you're ready for this next couple of verses, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. All right? Are you ready? Yeah. You say you are, but are you ready? Yeah. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 47 through 49. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is the Lord Jehovah. His name's Jesus. From the realm of heaven. The first one, made from dust, has a race of people just like him, you and me, who are also made from dust. The one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who are just like him. Born again people who are just like him. Once we carried the likeness of the man of dust, who was the man of dust? Adam. But now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. Oh, I'm telling you, we don't, we don't understand and we think and believe so low. <laughs> the one who sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people that are just like him. I'm reminded, and I'll say this in close, I'm reminded of what First John says, John the Apostle wrote, and he said, one day we, when he appears, we shall see him and we shall be like him. Now, we think that's going to be something that takes place in the future. We're going to be made like him in the future. No, because he goes on to say, for as he is, so are we in this world. 
See, here's what's going to happen. When Jesus shows up in the clouds to take us home, you know what we're going to do? We're going to see him, and we're, it's going to dawn on us. You know what's going to dawn on us? I'm more like him than I ever thought I was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Well, I just believe, and I, my desire is, and I, I double-dog dare you to do something, all right? And you know, if I double-dog dare you, you got to do it. Promise me you'll meditate on what we've talked about this morning. Promise me. Promise me that once the, the audio is out there, you'll go back and listen to it. I want you to get this down in your spirit. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.